Hey there, dog people of the internet. I'm Sarah Stremming, and this is Cog Dog Radio. Join me as I share my thoughts, experiences, and cases, as I interview experts and answer your questions when it comes to the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. It's a new year and I have a news flash. Black lives still matter. I'm looking forward in 2021 to not only continuing to donate to causes that I believe in, but also to providing more of a platform for BIPOC voices in the dog world here on Cog Dog Radio. So stay tuned. I have some exciting news for you. I've teamed up with my friend and colleague, Marissa Martino of Paws and Reward to present a three-part webinar series called The Connection Summit, Prioritizing the Human-Canine Bond for Successful Behavior Change. The series runs from February 23rd to March 9th. It airs Tuesday night each of those weeks at 5 p.m. Pacific. The first class is on the general mindset shift needed to allow focusing on the human-canine bond to facilitate behavior change. The second is all about my concept, the four steps to behavioral wellness. And the third is Marissa's six principles of relationship building for dogs and their people. So I hope you'll join us and there's a registration link in the show notes. Hey friends, today I'm back with my friend Marissa Martino of Paws and Reward in Boulder, Colorado, and also the Paws and Reward podcast. Marissa and I have an exciting project coming up. It's a three-part webinar series called The Connection Summit, prioritizing the human-canine relationship for successful behavior change. And it starts Tuesday, February 23rd. So on that note, Marissa and I are going to talk about focusing on wellness and the human side of behavior change. Marissa, welcome back. Thank you for having me. I'm super pumped to be here. Super pumped to have this conversation. So let's start by talking about wellness as a state of action, which is something that Emily Nagoski said in um, her book that she co-wrote with her sister, Amelia Nagoski, called Burnout, which I will link to in the show notes. And Marissa and I have both recently like read this book and talked about it and are in love with it. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, she's holding it up. You can't see her, but she's holding it up on Zoom. <laughs> it's right It's right by me as well um, with stickies and things, market, yeah, all of the things. So wellness is a state of action. That really resonated with me a ton. But let's talk about why it matters that we recognize that it's a state of action. What was it about it for you when you when you read it's a state of action? Why did that resonate with you specifically? Because it resonated with me because something that I say is that balance is a verb. And that's even like a meditative thing I will say to myself mm-hmm. when when things are not going great. <laughs> balance is a verb and that everything we do is is a pendulum that's just constantly swinging back and forth that nothing is actually static and if i can recognize that nothing is static then i can i can go with the flow a little bit better which is kind of naturally hard for me to do yeah i mean i think wellness to me even though i like to i like to think that it is because we were just talking about um being perfectionists to some degree, wellness is like, 
like, I think of it as like, we're going to arrive to wellness, but like Mm -hmm. you said, it's like, we're, it's like a framework almost. It's not really, or, or it's a, it's a philosophy that you adopt. It is, um, guiding principle in your life. Like I want to strive to bring wellness into my life. Will I be, um, will I support that goal? you know, one month versus one week versus yesterday from today? Will I support that goal one day from the next in a better way? Like, it's not a place you arrive at. It's mm -hmm. the compass. It's the compass, not the destination. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to dogs and dog training, this is exactly like behavior change. So like when we are trying to achieve better behavior um, or different behavior, in our dogs and we focus on wellness first, which is the first step in the humane hierarchy and really where we should all be focusing first. That's not, you give your client a bullet list of like how to do wellness, right? It's an ongoing conversation that you can have um, with them about their dogs, about themselves. And then for us to be the best professionals we can be, I know that you and I would both like wellness to be a bullet list that we can check off yeah, every day. That would be really great. Thank you. <laughs> we both really like that to be the situation, but it's not. And so realizing that it's not helps us, I think, to be better, better all around, better professionals, better in our interpersonal relationships, better with our dogs. Mm-hmm. We got kind of going on wellness because. The Connection Summit is about human, kind of about the human side of things Mm -hmm. Um, and how we can take principles from dog training and apply them in the human side of things. And so why does, why did wellness kind of keep coming up for us while we were working on this project? Yeah. I mean, I think wellness came up for us because if we're not necessarily taking care of ourselves, this is one element, if we're not taking care of ourselves, it's really hard to take care of our canine companions, right? So, or um, we, if we're not taking care of our nervous system, are we easily um, dysregulated or, or like we sort of spiral out when our dogs are reacting on leash or when they are um, you know, pull when they like destroyed all of our shoes or like what, whatever it is, right. It could just be a normal behavior of, um, getting into the trash that like sort of sends us over the edge. And then we react in a way that doesn't feel good to us. So wellness doesn't have to just be like, when I think of the word wellness, I I think of like, okay, I'm going to exercise and I'm going to eat really clean food, but wellness is also like, um, an internal state, right. Where, Mm -hmm. Like I need to, I need to take care of myself by, by doing these things, whether that's, um, you know, spending time in nature, moving my body or whether that's eating clean food and also just being aware of like, what's going to trigger me and how can I set myself up in addition to, to the, the, the people and my dog around me so that I can respond in a way that feels healthy to me. Um, knowing that like, like and we're going to talk about this in the connection summit, but like knowing that like there will be days where that's not there, that's not reasonable or that like, it just doesn't happen because there's just too much on our, on our plates. 
um, and being graceful about when that happens, um, offering that to ourselves and others. I think it's so important. And I think, you know, we're asking when we're working with people, with their dogs, when we're working with our clients, they need us to give them that grace as we talk about wellness. Mm -hmm. I started talking about wellness a really long time ago in my career, but I added in like specifically talking about the wellness of the person way too late to be honest. (laughs) But it's, you know, it's very clear to me that if I ask you to, you know, do something that is actually above and beyond what you do for yourself, if I ask you to do something for your dog, Mm -hmm. that you feel like you don't have the time or space or money to do for yourself, that's not fair. And I need to be cognizant of that. And I need to recognize that the human's wellness also matters. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's funny though. Like I have some clients that I, that would probably put their dog's needs ahead of theirs. Right. So like, like most of my clients as well as myself. Where, where they would be like, oh yeah, we got to get the dog to the Cairo and to the acupuncture and we got to do, f- you know, five hikes and did all the stuff. And it's like, oh wait, and I have to take care of myself on top of that. Um, so yeah, being mindful that it is sort of a, that it, that it, it, it is a balance, right? Both parties need nourishment in that way. Absolutely. Or to be sustainable, um, I guess, is how I, how I see it. Yeah. It can't last. If it Mm -hmm. is, if we go back to that pendulum idea, like it can't be held in place. It has Mm -hmm. to swing all the time. Um, That's a sustainable thing. Being held in place is not. I talk about nutrition and exercise as kind of two of the four steps to behavioral wellness and intuitive eating and intuitive forms of movement are both ways of life for me. But if we, if we left dogs to, our own devi- to their own devices, I think they'd eat other animals as well as garbage, and they'd move a lot more than we let them. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about where's the line between caretaker, which might look like don't eat that, don't run off a cliff, don't run into traffic, um, as well as caregiver, which is eat what nourishes you, move how your body wants to move, to our dogs. Finding that balance has been really tough for a lot of my clients. Intuitive eating and intuitive forms of movement are both to me ways of life. It's hard because if we left dogs to their own devices, I think that they would eat other animals, they would eat garbage, um, and they'd move a lot. They'd move their bodies a lot more than we let them. So I want to talk, Marissa, to you about where's the line between caretaker, which is kind of making sure they don't die doing the things that they want to do, mm-hmm. and caregiver, which is providing them the food that nourishes them, letting them move their bodies as much as they want to um, with our dogs. Where's the line between that caretaker, caregiver kind of role? Yeah. When we were talking about this, I was thinking of the line for me is based on the context of the situation. So um, if I have a dog that reacts poorly to the sight of other dogs and that dog is reacting, I would like to provide that dog, a, you know, an alternative behavior to engage in 
instead, like, I'm not just going to say, oh, because you want to pull towards there, I'm going to let you do it because that's what you want to do. In that moment, it doesn't feel like the right moment. So I'm going to like manage their behavior or I'm going to refocus them or redirect their energy somewhere else versus letting them make the choice that could ultimately like escalate to a poor situation. So I feel like it's pretty contextual. So it reminds me of parenting in that way where um, instead of always saying what you can't do, right? Like you shouldn't do that. You like, um, we're not going to do that. Stop doing this. It is more, Hey, I've got an alternative option for you to choose. And there's actually several different options within that option. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so that the learner in this case, our dogs or children, that we're saying you have other choices, you have other control over your outcome. It's just not maybe necessarily the one that you want to do. However, there are other choices that um, could be just as reinforcing as the one that maybe you're so inclined to do. Um, so just giving choice within a framework. Um, and again, going back to that, like, I think it's contextual for me, like what, when will I let Sully just choose to sort of blaze his own path? And when do I say like, actually that doesn't feel safe to me and mm -hmm. you're not going to go like skating on the frozen pond because last year, actually, I'm sorry. It wasn't last year. It was like eight years ago. He fell in and it was like the scariest, the scariest thing ever. Yeah, so like, no, that's not, I've been there. That's the worst. Yeah. No. Yeah. And oh. so, but that's my own anxiety. Right. But at the same time, it's still, it's still probably the safest thing to do. Like let's have fun over here and not have you run out onto the water. Right. So like, I think it's yeah. contextual for me. And you mentioned anxiety there. And that's kind of what I want to bring up because so often when we don't give them what they actually need, it's because we have some kind of anxiety or fear surrounding giving it to them. Mm -hmm. And the biggest example for me is off-leash exercise. I talk about it all the time. It is kind of my thing. I think that most behavior problems would be improved if not solved by just providing this to dogs. Because yeah. in this country, we don't. In this country, it is pretty taboo to have the dog off leash, except for in designated areas, which then tend to be dog parks, which are just not suited for, honestly, the majority of adult dogs. Yep. And we're, we're just kind of taught it's dangerous for a number of reasons. And it is dangerous. <laughs> it is not inherently safe. That is true. Mm -hmm. What's important to me is weighing... And again, finding the balance between ab absolute safety and wellness. My partner likes to bring up the example that um, she hurt her knee, really severely injured her knee once hiking. And she has never once gotten hurt watching Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> so we could conclude that hiking is bad for you and Netflix is good for you. Mm-hmm. But I think we all know that that's not quite right. That most things worth doing come with inherent risk. Mm -hmm. And so it's all about finding the balance and finding what kind of risk you're okay with. For me, um, you know, most people know that I had a pretty major 
traumatic event where I lost one of my dogs for 24 hours and people were horrified that I took him on an off-leash hike two days later. And the reason I did, Marissa, is because I had to or I would never go back out again. Yeah. And I know how important it is for him and I know how important it is for me. And so from so it, people should take that honestly as the evidence for how important I think this is that I went back and did it again after that. I made some changes to help it feel safer and to help it be safer after that. Mm -hmm. And I've helped, I've watched the GPS collar become a really standard thing in, at least in my dog community because of that. So like, that's a way that I make it feel that I make it not just feel, but actually be safer um, is by having a tracking device on the dog. And similarly, I feed, I truthfully feed my dogs a lot of stuff, but the majority of their food is a raw meat based diet. And that's not without inherent risk too. Mm -hmm. If I listened to, you know, the vast majority of veterinarians, I would believe that I was killing them with this food. (laughs) When in fact, um, I have a pretty good track record of not killing them with that food. Mm -hmm. But we also found out, you know, recently, I think uh, last year, the year before, like everybody panicked about grain-free diets, right? So yeah, oh my um, gosh, nothing is without risk. It's kind of choosing what risks feel worth taking to you. For me, unclipping the leash in the woods feels worth that risk to me. Um, And so does putting raw meat in the bowl. But I have to respect that for my clients, it may not. And give them the space to decide what feels okay to them. Yeah. And like ask the question too, right? Like sort of, you know, what feels doable to you? Why does this not feel doable to you? What is your concern about it? And then can we talk about some of that concern? Because sometimes it's, it, it it actually is maybe just a simple mindset shift and then they can take on that, um, request, whether it's like, you like, let's provide them with off leash activity or let's change their diet or let's change the way you're engaging with the dog, whatever it is. But I, I asking them to be aware of why there is resistance, whether it's a risk involved or not, or there's a, a limits to their, their everyday lives or time commitments. Um, just being curious about that stuff, I think is really important because sometimes it will help them process it out loud with you. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there could be an alternative solution. But I really like how you're tying it back to risk because like for me, when I link it back to Sully, like the it's not worth the risk for you to go out on the frozen lake. Right. Especially because we had a negative experience, right? Like right. it reminds me of, of your partner um, about hiking. It's like, okay, that was a negative experience. That was really challenging for us. So we're not going to do that. That's not worth the risk. But what can I offer you that is as exciting or as reinforcing or as enriching as maybe going onto the lake in a totally different, safer manner, right? Like how, how can I, you know, do some nose work over here or, um, you know, choose trails that are safer for us to, to 
get that wellness in. Right. And I think, again, you brought up a really good point regarding curiosity. And that's one of the major things that we're going to be talking about at the Mm -hmm. Connection Summit is just getting curious about all of these things. Getting curious um, is, is really just a desire to learn more and to understand better. And curiosity for me is kind of the antidote to fear. Mm-hmm. So, and I talk about that in regards to dog behavior as well. If we've got a dog that's afraid of something and so we're trying to work through, you know, maybe it's a fear-based aggression problem. Um, if we can tap into the curiosity underneath what we're afraid of, we can heal that fear. And I do this a lot with dogs that are, um, that have fear-based aggression towards anything, people, Mm -hmm. other dogs, by allowing them a safe space to observe that thing from as far away as they want to. Mm -hmm. So I liken that back to like, I'm pretty terrified of spiders, but if there's a spider documentary on, you cannot peel me away. Which is ridiculous. Oh, my, skin so- will, my skin will crawl the entire time. I will hate it, but be simultaneously fascinated. And <laughs> that's one of those things that we can go, oh, wow, humans are interesting. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's just us. Mm-hmm. If they're afraid of something. They're always curious, actually, about it. And so if you're afraid of unclipping that leash in the woods, get curious about why. Mm-hmm. Kind of go, wow, where is this coming from in me? Do I think the dog's not going to come back? Do I think something's going to eat him? Like, what? what is it? Because if you can actually figure out what it is, you can usually heal it. So if you're afraid that it's that your dog's going to get eaten by a bear, there are places you can go where you pretty much you're not going to see bears. If, you, if it's that you're afraid that the dog's going to go onto the frozen lake and fall in and drown, real fear. This happens. Yeah. Ugh. Um then you're going to avoid frozen water. Mm-hmm. Um, I, after my little adventure, don't hike where where there's cliff sides, but specifically where there's water beneath. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just we all need to get curious about what are we worried about and is there a way around that worry? Yeah. If you're worried that the dog's going to, get salmonella poisoning from the raw meat because you've been told that they will, you could feed them a fresh food diet that's cooked. If you're worried that you or somebody in your household is going to contract salmonella because of feeding the dog raw meat, which is one of the major reasons the veterinarians yeah. are educated not advocate uh, for raw meat diets. We've all learned in 2020 how to be real clean. I got to tell you. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't have an excess of cleaning products in their house now that they didn't used to have? I have like Lysol wipes in my car, hand sanitizer in the yep. cup holder. Uh, and I don't see my life really going back to normal after this. I got to be quite honest. <laughs> yeah. You kind of wonder like, what was I doing before that? Like, and I'm how like, gross how was I? I? Exactly. Like what bacteria was just everywhere before? Yep. So we can get curious. Um, We can practice intuitive eating and movement for ourselves. And we can kind of help our dogs to do that as as much as we feel safe. But like, how do we pull all this off? If if wellness is a state of action, Mm -hmm. 
are we acting are we in that action all the time and do we actually pull this off do we actually achieve it no i mean i don't like we were saying in the beginning i don't think we arrive to a place of wellness and i have um <laughs> i have had spreadsheets documented my eating <laughs> documented my 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 working out i want to let everyone know no we don't we don't arrive and it's it it's it's just a um it's not a destination once not again, a desti- right? yeah it's not a, a destination it's, it's i love that um you know you were saying like ba- balance is a verb right that you're yeah. you're always it's a thing you do it's a thing you do it's a philosophy it's an approach and yet we don't arrive to a destination and then and maybe if we do arrive on one day because everything aligned we don't stay there do you know yeah. what i'm saying like we don't, we sort of go off and live life. And um, some days are better than others. Some hours are better than others. So I think that, um, you know, I really appreciate, I really appreciate that we looped curiosity in, right? Because I think it does take curiosity to understand when you feel in balance, when you feel out of balance, um, you know, just constantly checking in. And I want to add something else about curiosity that it, when you are asking questions, it is not with a judgmental voice. It is oh, it like, it has to be with a compassionate voice. Totally. Um, it can't be like, why didn't you get that done? Why didn't you exercise yesterday? It, it is like, you know, oh, wow, like yesterday was a really busy day. Like I did the best that I could. What can I do about tomorrow so that I make sure I meet Sully's needs, the puppy's needs, right? Um, And my needs, right? So how can I be curious with compassion? Absolutely. I think that that's that's exactly it. And I feel like I needed you to say that because I feel like I beat myself up of like, well, why didn't you? Well, of course you're having a meltdown. You haven't gone to the woods for five days. What's the matter with you? <laughs> That's yeah. why I like to talk to myself. That's not helpful. <laughs> totally. Not only are you like, you're like spiraling out because you haven't done your self-care, but now you're shaming yourself for not doing this. It just like, it just yes. a spiral and it's so automatic. Like, especially yeah. for me, um, when you start to notice some of that talk, the talk that we wouldn't use towards our, dogs for anyone you love or yeah exactly yeah totally when you start to notice it i i want to just warn listeners a little bit that like it can be a little bit overwhelming because like i'm i'm sort of you know noticing within myself it's been a commitment to myself this year 12 days in um to really try to notice when i am being hard on myself when i am being uh when I'm lacking that curiosity and replacing it with compassionate curiosity. And sometimes when you notice it, you're like, wow, I am doing this all day long, right? Like this is not ideal. Um, and just being mindful of that, that like it, it could feel overwhelming to look at your stuff. Oh, it is. It always is. And I, you know, one of my favorite therapists that I've had, cause I've had many said, um, it was about one of my like, you know, problem kind of problematic patterns. And she was like, how about you don't let that be yet another thing? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. So like, if you need to walk your dog on a long line, instead of off leash, Mm -hmm. 
how about you don't have that be just another thing that you feel bad about in addition to your dog's behavior? Yeah. And how about instead you just, you use the equipment that makes it easiest for you to meet in the middle with that dog. What did you say a minute ago? I don't remember now. Curiosity. (laughs) You said something, you said something really genius about, oh, compassionate curiosity that's what mm-hmm. you said compassionate curiosity that's i feel the title of this episode compassionate curiosity because that's the only kind of curiosity that's actually going to work for you yeah and it's funny because like as as your pup is having a moment she's whining right now right like yeah. we would turn to her and like go like i, I wonder what you need right now right? Right. Like you just woke up from a nap, you went potty, but what is, what is, what is it that you need? And gosh, like that is just the voice to use with ourselves, right? Like, what do you need right now, Marissa? (laughs) (laughs) And Rhea weighs in. What what do you need? need? She says, playtime. Playtime is what I need. Um, Well, on that note, I think compassionate curiosity as a core value for yourself Thinking about your own behavior and your dog's behavior is where we will leave it. Thank you so much, Marissa. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe in the podcast app of your choice. And if you're interested in supporting this podcast, as well as joining the CogDog Radio community, head over to patreon.com slash cogdogradio and become a patron for as little as $4 a month. I hope to see you there. Cheers.